Today we sit down with the executive director of the only Canadian pregnancy care center that shares a wall with an abortion clinic. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Pro-Life Guys podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Peter, and with me in studio, in the very same room, for the very first time of this podcast, is my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, Cameron Cote. How are you, sir? This is awesome. I am glad to be doing this in person. Video calls are a wonder that we've all gotten familiar with over the last year and a half or so, but it is way better, Peter, to be in the same room able to do this together um even though i hear you through my headphones like two seconds after you say the words um and and so it's a little bit funny that way but it's a ton of fun to have you in town we're recording a ton of content um through this week and so it is good to be here how are you sir good good i feel like there's a some audio settings that we might just not know about that would sort of hinder that two second delay but hey you know what we're here we're in the same room and we love it and cam what are you wearing oh I am wearing the initial, the maiden voyage of the Pro-Life Guys swag t-shirt. One of the renditions, the Pro-Life Guys, change minds, save lives, transform culture. Um, That is our moniker. That is our slogan. We have shirts that are going to be available on our website shortly. You've got probably what my favorite t-shirt is at this point, really leaning into that slogan of the Pro-Life Guys podcast, change minds, save lives, transform culture. This is happening. We got a third design that should be arriving this week, time of recording, um, that is just our lovely mugs on the on the front of a shirt. Um, and so if you're not quite ready to um, proclaim yourself pro-life to your entire office, um, we're working on that. Hopefully we can have a conversation about that as well. However, you can wear a shirt that supports the podcast. It just has um, Peter, yours, and my lovely faces upon it. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to wear that shirt because I kind of feel weird about wearing a shirt that has my own face on it but um hopefully other people are into it hopefully you're into these shirts you'll be able to find them on our website prolifeguys.com relatively shortly we're still working out the kinks on getting on our website but as soon as we have it up you guys will be the first to know unless somebody else randomly goes to our website and and like mistypes the pro-choice guys and just does the pro-life guys I'm like oh wow pro-life guys have t-shirts um you guys will be the first to know most likely Cam, I don't know if this says something about me, but I, I'm going to be wearing that shirt with my face on it. But hey, anyway, I, I just think it's pretty cool. Uh, one, one really cool thing is um, you might love this shirt. You might be like, hey, it could be a little bit better. But the most beautiful thing about these shirts, about the mugs, about the other merch that we're getting is you'll be supporting the Pro-Life Guys podcast. You'll be helping us reach more people. You'll be helping us produce more content and better content uh, to get you know more equipment, better equipment, whatever we need to really get the message out, to really equip more and more people with the truth about abortion. So if you love the shirt, get the shirt. But if you love the pro-life guys, get the shirt even more. Bingo. 100%. And and not only does it help us, I mean, we've already got, as you can see, like pretty sweet microphones and that kind of thing. Maddie's got a pretty sweet setup when it comes to editing the podcast. This also helps us advertise the podcast, whether it's on Christian radio stations, whether it's in church bulletins, sending out flyers and leaflets and posters to different churches and different pro-life groups and all that kind of stuff. A major cost for us getting to the next threshold of um, podcasting is getting into the the headphones of people that don't ordinarily listen to pro-life content and so the next big step for us is going to be advertising and getting our message into those areas where it may not be top of mind but it is something that they may already be on board with and so that's i think where the um the next kind of 
big um, investment is going to be for the Pro-Life Guys podcast to help equip even more people with the tools that they need to have these compassionate, compelling conversations about abortion. That's right. And if you're really, really, really impatient and you can't wait for these uh, these shirts and the other merch items to be on the website, you can just reach out to us. You can send us an Instagram message, an email, uh, contact us through our website, prolifeguys.com. That's what it's called. Um, so do reach out. Without further ado, uh, I'd like to thank uh, a, a listener of ours, Scott, for the recommendation for the guest that we have on today. Scott sent us a message, said you should have this person on to be a fascinating conversation. And Scott, you were not wrong at all. We had a great conversation with Mary Helen Mose. Mary Helen is the executive director of Aid to Women, which is a pregnancy care center in Toronto, Ontario. And as I mentioned off the top of the podcast, it's the only pregnancy care center in the country that shares a wall with an abortion clinic. There are some that are close to abortion clinics, but this one shares a wall and the address is like almost exactly the same. And so there are some unique experiences there and there's certainly some unique dynamics uh, with a pregnancy care center that is so close to an abortion clinic. So here's our conversation with Mary Helen Mose. I, I, I think Cam, it's one of the most interesting conversations that we've had. Uh, and I was really excited to learn more about the work that Mary Helen does and even see the babies that were saved. She shows some images uh, as well. So check it out. Here's our conversation with Mary Helen. We hope you love it as much as we did. Mary Helen, thank you so much for joining us on the Pro-Life Guys podcast. Oh, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, we are looking forward to this conversation. As we mentioned in the introduction, you work for Aid to Women in Toronto. And now a lot of people, when they have or when they think about pregnancy care centers and pregnancy resource centers, they think about, you know, giving diapers and, and that sort of thing and, and not really helping women out substantially, as it were. So could you give us a bit of an idea of what you do at Aid to Women? You know, how do you connect with with the women uh, who are pregnant? How do you walk them through some of the resources and, and options that are available for them? Just share with us a little bit more about the work of Aid to Women. Sure. Um, so Aid to Women is a little unique. Every pregnancy care center runs differently, but we're right beside the abortion clinic. Uh, we're the only ones I understand in Canada that uh, share a wall with an abortion clinic. And so uh, the people we see usually have already made an abortion appointment or they're coming in for to make the appointment or they're coming in for more information on an abortion. And um, I only get like 13 to 20 seconds to talk to them before they kind of figure out I'm at the wrong place. And um, Google Maps actually helps us because what they do, uh, what Google Maps did, and I think it's just God because I'm not this smart to do it, but uh, the abortion clinic is at 302 and we're 300 and people come in with their phones and it says you're here. And so I have people argue, no, 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 this is where I'm coming to get my abortion. Look at my phone is saying I'm here. And I'm like, well, come on in. And uh, we, uh, and I explain, we do pre pre abortion counseling. We do post abortion counseling. And for that woman who really doesn't want to have an abortion, but feels she has no other choice being, you know, uh, family pressures, uh, boyfriend, you know, there's abuse situations. And I was kind of like, talk to them as if it's not them, just kind of tell them what's going on. And I said, you know, housing, all those type of things. And then we help out to the child is two years old. And I have a 50, 50 shot of them saying, Oh, that's me. Like it's that prevalent that the women that actually have 
already made the abortion appointment or are coming in because they think I'm going to help them have the abortion. Like maybe they think I'm the receptionist. I'm going to make the appointment for them. Um, about 50% of them actually don't want to have that abortion. And I, I don't want to be quoted on it, but I really believe that um, there's got to be some statistic somewhere that says like 80% of the women don't want to have abortions that have them because that's what we're seeing. It's just a, a phenomenal amount of women who are looking for other options and can't find them. So if I have any criticism of the world and pregnancy care centers, it's that we don't know enough about them. And so what we do is we help out till the, till the woman is two years, uh, sorry, the child is two years old. We help them through everything. And sometimes it means getting out of an abusive situation. Sometimes it means helping them talk to their uh, mom who maybe has even ordered the pills online already and is saying, you move out or I will, you know, if you don't swallow these, you're out. Just those type of things. So those are the kind of uh, situations that we uh, see. And um, we never lie to them and tell them they're at the abortion clinic, of course. Uh, when we do do counseling and I explain to them full what it is, um, if they come in for counseling and they say, well, I already have an appointment. I say, look at what doctor is ever on time. Wouldn't you want to just like have a chat just to make sure so you don't feel guilty later making this decision. And so that's how I get them into a counseling room and we make tea and there's usually like if you knew me, you knew the coffee pot and teapot's always on. So that's, that's how, that's how we do it. We make it really relaxed. And we just go through the questionnaire of, um, oh, sorry, before the questionnaire, they have to sign this form. And it's the one that uh, most counseling places use, you know, if you're going to harm yourself or others, then we have to tell somebody, but everything's hundred percent confidential here. And it stays between us and all that. But we have a new little check mark. They have to check it off saying, I am very aware that I am not in an abortion clinic and they sign it, date it. So then we go through the questionnaire and uh, usually before I even get to the question of what is your intent of coming in today? Like, is it to have an abortion, to not, to give birth, to, uh, you know, offer the child for adoption to someone else, all of those type of things. Before I even get to that question, we usually have a very good idea of what their background is, um, what's going on. Like, just ask them, are you being supported? No. And then the tears come down. And so is the, you know, the father child involved? And it could go yes or no and still mean they feel they have to have an abortion. Um, yeah, it's it's just a crazy thing. But um, we just lost a child, actually, a baby, because the mother was so convincing that we were false. We were not going to be able to help her. And she was 16 years old, and her own mother was just browbeating the heck out of her that she's too young. She didn't know what she was doing. We wouldn't help. Were, you know, and the funny thing is we even have grandmothers coming in going, please talk to my daughter because I want to be a grandmother. Like this isn't me. So like we see everything. We see those that want to have the child, don't want to have the child, um, the whole gamut. And uh, it costs a lot of money to keep that going because some of these women are in some pretty interesting situations. So I'm talking about not just having a counselor being like a, a really nice mom who uh, wants to help out and hold babies and fold baby clothes and give stuff out because I need those people to help me volunteer. I'm stuck without them. I can't do it all. But I do hire uh, registered social workers. I do tap into psychologists. Um, I had a third year medical student uh, working for me 
And now I have a roster of doctors that I can call and the pro-life doctors, and they literally seem to drop everything if they get a call from us. Like that's how it feels anyway. The response is so quick. And like some of these people, you know, they got drunk. They did some drugs. Uh, first time ever at a party, got pregnant. And they're convinced even that, oh yeah, we want to be parents, but not like this. This child will be something wrong with it completely. And I'm like, why don't we talk to a doctor that specializes in saving babies rather than a doctor whose experience and, and skill set is actually getting rid of the baby. And so it just kind of puts a pause in it and we talk about it there. Um, a lot of the women that are aborting, it's just self-confidence. They really don't think they can do it. And they, it's pretty easy if you look at the rest of society to say it's too expensive. Um, uh, that'll be the end of my schooling. That'll be the end of my career, all of those type of things. So we really work on them, uh, to help them out a lot. Uh, one of the stories is we had, uh, a girl come in and the abortion clinic was actually closed that day. And I keep looking back and I think it was a Saturday. I think I was there on a Saturday. That's why. But which is unusual for me, um, sorry, not unusual for me, but unusual that I actually had the door open on a Saturday because usually I'm hiding in there trying to get some stuff done before we open again on Monday. And uh, this girl came in and uh, her name was Elizabeth and she was just this beautiful, beautiful woman. And she thought, because we're right beside the abortion clinic, that the um, our entrance was just another entrance to the abortion clinic, our door, because she tried their door. So she came over to ours and she was very noticeably pregnant. And I didn't realize she was eight months pregnant because she wasn't wearing maternity clothes. And when she went to sit down, I realized she's wearing pretty tight jeans and she's got the zipper undone and a sweater over top. Like she could barely move. And so we're talking and uh, we went through the whole in, uh, questionnaire about what's going on and everything. And, then I asked, are you thinking about having an abortion? And she said, what other choice do I have? And I was like, okay, so um, let's talk about that. And in the end, it turned out that she was a, a stellar Christian, wonderful, wonderful woman. And uh, I actually consider her a friend now. Uh, her son just turned two. But what happened was, and this is really sad, is that she could not find support in all of Toronto She'd never felt more alone in her life. She uh, didn't have a job at that time, but she was a very smart, intelligent woman. She was actually a social worker herself and she didn't have a job right that minute. And because she was a really good Christian, she knew this was wrong. Her idea, her plan was to actually kill herself after she had the abortion because she knew she couldn't live with herself. But she really thought, there's absolutely no way I can have this baby. Like she moved to Toronto to make a new life, to escape all kinds of other horrors. And she didn't find it in Toronto. So it's just luck of God that I was there on Saturday and able to like walk her in. And it's not me, it's God. Like I, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm just there. I'm, as you can see, I'm gray, I'm old. The, uh, I, I always think with, um, the uh, pregnancy care centers so these young vivacious women with all this confidence. I'm just like, that's not me at all. I'm not sure why anybody's listening to me, but I, I just show up every day and do what I can. Um, and we have uh, 52 babies this year that we've saved. 
from abortion. And I don't know if you've seen our newsletter, but this is an older one. And we have all these babies. Those are the babies I can show pictures of anyway. And when you put a real face to it, you understand what a pregnancy care center does. Like we're there all the time and not all the time. Like I have different air uh, categories too. I change things up a bit. And if the woman needs us just for the beginning, but she's actually from a pretty good family and she's going to have the support after, but she just needs the emotional support right now. Well, we'll celebrate with her that she's pregnant. She's going to be a mommy and we're going to do that for maybe six months. Someone else, it might take a full two years to, um, you know, really feel like they've landed on their feet. And we call that graduating when they leave after the child is two years old. I've had not one that I've wanted to keep on going, I don't know, are they going to be okay? Are they going to be able to afford diapers and everything? Because we help out every single month with diapers, clothes, strollers, whatever they need. Um, and the most amazing thing for me is when I phone somebody and they say, well, you know, I'm actually in a pretty good little apartment and we're doing okay this month. I don't think we need anything. And I'm just like, beautiful, beautiful. You didn't need us. That's fabulous. And, uh, and those are our success stories. So we're very happy about that. And we're there if they, you know, they do miscarry. Um, we're there for the guys when their girlfriend has the abortion, we didn't want them to. We do the post-abortion counseling as well. And I hate to say it, there's nothing suckier than having post-abortion counseling because the regret is out of this world. So if I can save anybody from that, I'm all for it. That that's phenomenal, Mary Helen, and and I want to pull. Did that answer any of what you asked me? Oh, that's fantastic. That that I think gives a very clear picture that that this is a very comprehensive, very holistic approach to support, very holistic approach to engaging these mothers, these families, in where they're at and and how they can navigate their circumstances. I think it's so cool that you guys have that um, opportunity to be in such close proximity with the abortion facility right there in Toronto and and catch so many of these women right before um, their, their child is scheduled to be killed. And a thread that I'd love to pull on a little bit further um, is, is the relational ministry component of building relationships with these mothers and families. Because Peter, you and I, um, I mean, we've spoken to hundreds and hundreds of mothers, tragically, who have had abortions. And something that I hear time and time again is that they just didn't have support. They just didn't have anyone there. It wasn't even a matter of a lack of finances. It wasn't a lack of material stuff. Sometimes I'll ask them, like, what could I have done to help you make a different decision? Like what, what could I have, if, if I was a friend of yours, what could I have said? What could I have done to help you come to a different decision? And so often the women that I'm speaking to, they kind of look off into the middle distance and say, I just needed the friend. I just needed somebody that I could talk to. I just needed somebody that I, I could share with. It, it wasn't a matter of lack of resources or, or anything like that. It was just that I felt so isolated. I felt so, um, lonely. And I'd love to to hear a little bit more even about whether it's general protocol or maybe a, a couple stories about that really relational development of how you kind of 
whether it's take these mothers under your wing or whether it's develop friendships uh, of a, a particular sort with these mothers who are in such a, a pivotal but often such a crisis moment in their lives, maybe share a little bit more about the relational component, about what you guys do at Aid to Women, I suppose. Sure. Um, so two stories come to mind. Uh, one is I get asked to be the godmother a lot of a lot of babies. And I can't do that because we're trying to keep this professional relationship and it breaks my heart because I want to be the grandma and the godparent for all of them. Like I love babies, but I don't get to see the children that much, to be quite honest. I really don't. My, I'm there for the, I'm there for the mom. I'm there to make sure that she is okay. So when that child is teething in the middle of the night, yeah, they can call me. I may not like it, but they can call me <laughs> and they know my personality well enough that they know, okay, you can call till midnight, but after that, it better be an emergency. Um, we do get the phone calls uh, when it is an emergency, you know, their child swallowed a puzzle piece and they really don't feel, especially during coronavirus, they felt that there was just like no one they could really turn to yet. And so that they could call in the middle of the night and they call us. Um, we don't have a 24 hour line. So my cell phone number goes out a lot, but it it's okay. Like it's, it's the way it, way it works. And I can't see it doing it any other way. If you, if you are a feminist of any degree, you have to agree that helping women who are choosing to have a child and need that help come on, like it's, it's not rocket science. We're supposed to be helping them. And I've had that, uh, not an argument. I had a, a discussion with, uh, our, our local politician who's the liberal party and said the same thing. And she said, Oh, that's right. That's exactly true. And when women come to us and say, I can't do it. I usually say, well, help. What makes you the exception? Women have been having babies for millions of years. How come you can't? Like, seriously, tell me what is so wrong with you. And who's telling you this? Because it's not me. And anybody who loves you wouldn't say that. And um, the greatest thing is when you hear the women come back and tell you that the love they felt for this child is a love they never felt before. So that's why I couldn't describe it to them. That's why they, they just like, they didn't know. And uh, one, one story about the woman who um, really had a lot, like I get all walks of life. Um, I've seen um, partners of athletes that have came, came to us um, because the athlete, the professional athlete said it's not part of our lifestyle. And so the police were even involved with that because they were sending over their people to scare her if she left them and like just you know push her off the road like scare her so much that she will have that abortion and she didn't and i'm really really proud of her and she wants to come back and uh volunteer she's so thankful she wants to volunteer all the time like i tell you the truth i would love it because she has one of the cutest kids ever but I really want to keep that professional relationship going. No, maybe after you're done, but not now, not now. Now you get to be a mom. 
enjoy it? And how's your job search going? And <laughs> those type of questions. Um, but one of the, one of the moms, uh, uh, sorry, another one, um, it's so fast how things have changed, but she found out from a blood test at her own doctor that she was pregnant and she was, uh, her husband and sorry, it wasn't her husband, her boyfriend and her have been living together for a year and he had a, a small business that a startup going on. And, uh, I think she worked in design or something for one of the big retail chains downtown. So we're talking, yeah, they could afford to have a child. And, but that wasn't the issue. Um, she thought it would be a burden to absolutely everybody. So she was taking full responsibility for this. And when she left her doctors, she had a sheet of paper and on it was a list of places she could go for unplanned pregnancy support. It was all abortion clinics. We weren't on there. And what she did was she just took the streetcar over and phoned and uh, the abortion clinic beside us and uh, was getting a same day appointment. So she found out she was pregnant in the morning and at one o'clock in the afternoon, she could have aborted it like same day. And it just blows me away. So she didn't tell, she didn't tell anybody that she was pregnant. She was going to take care of this herself. It's her fault. You know, she'll take care of it all. And I said to her, well, you just found out you're pregnant. Like, let's put a pause in this. Um, eventually someday it might come out and what's your partner going to say? And she says, oh, no, it's the wrong time. He's just starting his business. And we've been dating for five years now, but I, I still don't think it's the right time. And my father actually doesn't even, although she was in her mid-20s, she still had this, you know, a teenager uh, relationship with her dad. And her dad raised her on her own. And she didn't want to tell her dad that um, she was pregnant out of wedlock and especially didn't want to know that she's actually living with the boyfriend. She uh, had this story going. She was living with a girlfriend. So I, I, it's it, things we do with our parents. I, uh, so anyway, they, um, she, I convinced her to tell people. And so that night, and, uh, I had a social worker follow up, uh, that night and, uh, you know, just to see if everything was okay. So she told her boyfriend and she told the, told the social worker it didn't go well. And we're like, oh my gosh, you don't know what that means. So she'll tell us tomorrow. And I was feeling kind of crappy. It was really going through all the words I, I gave and, you know, like, you know, mulling it over, like what, maybe I gave her the wrong advice. I don't think I did, but maybe something better I could have said, because I'm thinking always violence or something like that happened. And anyway, uh, this is what happened. He came back the next day with a ring. And the reason he didn't say anything was because he felt like an idiot that he hadn't married her already. And so um, here's a baby who uh, came, who now has, was almost killed and now has a mom and a dad getting married and really wanting a baby. She told her dad, and I can't believe this, but her dad's reaction was, I always wanted to be a grandfather. Like, wow. <laughs> I can't believe it. Like, it was just like this whole like miracle story altogether. And so that's what we're there for. Now, during coronavirus, a lot more of these stories happen over the phone and the internet. And um, it's almost expedited us into a, uh, like, so far into the future of where I thought we'd be going. Like, I'm still trying to conquer social media. Like, I'm in my 50s. Like, if you see all the mistakes on our Facebook page, that's me. And the uh, Instagram page, totally me. 
And I have people writing back all the time going, do you know how a hashtag works? And I'm like, no, I don't. Do you want to volunteer and help me? Like, I seriously don't. But because I'm pretty open and honest about it, I guess that's how a lot of women are finding us. And they're uh, coming uh, in saying, I found you on Instagram. You seem pretty cool. I found you on Facebook. Um, I was Googling abortion and your name came up first, which again is God, because I don't know what I'm doing with all of those like searches and everything. I have no idea, but apparently we came up for quite a while above the abortion clinics for abortion information in Toronto. And I don't think anymore. And yeah, and somehow I, because I didn't do it on purpose, I screwed up and people are coming to our door rather than the abortion clinic because their phone tells them that they're there. So those are some of the things that how we're connecting with people, but I do see the day where we will be expanding and um, doing a lot more work uh, to reach more women where they are. Um, I was even delivering pregnancy tests to women in their apartment buildings because they didn't want to get on the TTC during uh, coronavirus to come down and see me. So I was doing portable uh, pregnancy tests, um, you know, in, from my parking lot with a stick at a distance, bringing it, okay, go, go into the house and uh, we'll talk on the phone, talk you through this. And I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> but, but I want the result to be that there's a healthy baby at the end. So these are the crazy things that I do. Yeah, this is, this is phenomenal. And it's one of those things during COVID where there's not really a rule book. There's not really sort of like a list of instructions for how to, you know, troubleshoot during a time like COVID when you're, you know, everything's thrown, you know, thrown for a loop as it were. Uh, and yet one of the things you're doing is you're, you're maintaining the same philosophy and that you're con continuing to show support for the women, continuing to do what you can to both help the mother, uh, but also the child that she's bearing at the moment. Now you, you have so many stories here. Uh, it, you, we can tell as an audience that you um, just have so many experiences with women uh, and their children. I wonder, so you, you showed us this, this newsletter with so many photos of babies who've been saved. Maybe share with us a story or two, just to continue on with the stories, uh, a story or two of a baby that's been saved, something that's, you know, that, that sticks in your mind, a notable story that uh, you know, maybe God's hand was at work in, in a very powerful way or whatever it might be, something that really sticks with you. Could you share with us a, a little more stories uh, about some of those saves, Mary Helen? Oh, well, Ben, I have to choose and tell you I have a favorite. <laughs> um, let me just look at the newsletter here. I think the most phenomenal uh, stories... Give us all of them. We'll, we'll take as many as you got. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, I've had a, I've been just blessed with an amazing staff who, um, is all working at home right now. And so if I do, it looks like I'm doing all the intakes cause I'm the one around right now in the office. And then I phone them, uh, to do all the intake, all the counseling and all of that. So a lot of these stories aren't mine. Um, we had a husband and wife come in. And the wife did not want to have the baby and the father really did. And that's when I realized that they're uh, like, I'm from Peterborough. We're all pretty white. And uh, like, I must admit my cultural experience has not been that great. And I didn't realize that no one else would know. Um, you know, there are people in the world 
that the first time they see a man hanging on a cross might be from ISIS, not necessarily Jesus Christ. And we had this beautiful, beautiful statue, uh, not statue, I apologize, um, cross hanging in the room that they were counseling in. And he found that a little, little, little concerning. There's a man nailed to a cross over there um, and so big. And it was, it was bigger than the room. It must have been donated from a parish 32 years ago or something. Um, and then the poor man had to go to the bathroom and he walked out and there is a five foot tall sacred heart of Jesus, like just like glowing heart at him. And he was at the counselor and I'm seeing, sitting at my desk down the hall and I see this and the guy, the guy comes out of the room and just like, whoa. And then just kind of kept looking as he went down to the bathroom. Um, yeah, we had too much um, uh, evangelization going on when I took over. I had the Sisters of Life over and they said, I said, I have 32 Virgin Marys between my desk and uh, the kitchen. And what happened was every really great pro-lifer found something amazing to bring to the women. And there was also prayer books and rosary beads that people make because people want to help. They just don't know how. And there was chastity cards and there like prayer cards. And, and there was just like so much stuff. And when I told the sisters, I had 32, one of the sisters looked at me and goes, we don't even have that in our whole convent. And I thought, I can clean then. I can totally clean. So it all got redonated again to youth ministry groups. <laughs> but we, uh, what we did was we, uh, that's another thing that people think with the um, pregnancy care centers is that, you know, we're, like we're in it for the wrong reasons, I guess, you know, we really don't care about the people we care about just their soul and their sins. And it's kind of like, I don't even go there. I don't have to, I really don't have to, um, that I, I've always told our volunteers because we're in that bubble zone where, um, I don't know if you guys have that. Do you guys have that out, out, out your way? Yep. The bubble zone legislation where you can't go and protest it in the streets. Okay. So in Ontario, it's uh it's pretty wide uh range and it was actually uh requested uh to have that wide range around the place, but I'm right beside them, so they really don't know what to do with me. And what I do is well, I have to be on the street because I'm going in and out all the time. So we have deliveries of um, stuff going out. So we have volunteers carrying out boxes and boxes and boxes of diapers, strollers, all kinds of stuff. And uh, one time we had a, uh, it's, it, that's how we evangelize is what I'm trying to tell you. That's how we talk to the people without going, we're Catholic, we're Christian, we're, you know, whatever. Um, we, uh, we just show it, we act it. But we can't have a T-shirt on. We can't have a cross on our neck. We can't. The legislation is just so, like, I you could throw. I'm not a lawyer, and I can find holes in this legislation. But do I? Is it help the women at all if I'm in jail? No. So I have to work with blinders on and help the women. And so on this particular day, we're filling up this van. I think he had three different new babies he had to deliver to. And I told my, uh, I told my staff, I said, slow down because there's a couple watching us right in front of the abortion clinic and we can't say anything to them. Um, we can't even say hi to them. Can't go over the pamphlet. We can't do anything. 
Um, they have a security guard, they have cameras, they have everything. Um, I get along quite well with everybody over there. Uh, they equally hate me, I think, for that because I say hi to them every single morning. Um, it's been a great three years of being ignored and now they say hi to me and they're not really sure what to do with that after hi because they don't want to have a discussion with me, but they don't want to be rude either. So it's a very interesting dynamic we got going on. But anyway, that day, the uh, box after box, I said, said to my staff and volunteers, just slow down. Like we're being watched. And uh, so the first time down, you see the couple and they're watching us. And, you know, some people are looking for a sign of whether they should do it or not. And I think that day we were that sign because everything said Pampers, Huggies, uh, you know, uh, good start formula, like your strollers, uh, all kinds of things going in, bassinets, all going in this van. And um, in the end, they were uh, sitting on the steps crying, the two of them consoling each other. And the uh, security guard was asking, are you coming in or not? And then, so I went back upstairs again. Next time I came down with a box, um, they had called an Uber and they were leaving. They never went in the abortion clinic. So I think that we were that sign that day with all that baby stuff. I don't know what else to do with that. Like maybe spray paint on the sidewalk in front of it as a stroller parking zone or something. But anyway, we don't use any graphic images. That's another thing that everybody thinks that we uh, were 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 those people. And I explained that's the educational side of abortion and it has its place, but not here because that woman's got to come in and it's almost like we got to look like a big hug for her. Like we really do. Like she's scared to death. This is the biggest decision she may make in her entire life. It really is. And we want to be there for her. We want to help her. We got to get her to trust us that we will follow through with all these things. And so although we have a storefront, I've debated forever what to do with it. And I've decided just to leave it because the women still walk in. And if I put anything up about, um, are you alone? We'll save your baby or whatever. Then they might think in their head that we're their conception of what we are. I'd rather them come in and experience it. We made the place look very professional. Um, we have, uh, I think the designer called it boho chic. Uh, no, boho beach chic is the is the name of the design. And I would never do it myself. So as you can see in my daughter's room here, we've got red walls. Well, uh, we have white walls. We have birch bark looking hmm. floors. It's yeah. laminate. And uh, like a lot of wood and rattan and gray. And this bizarre shade of blue green that apparently calms you when you see it okay but you would not pick it out as a color on your own like you put it beside drywall and i cried i was like you can't the kitchen cupboards cannot <laughs> be this color they can't be and they're like oh but everything's going to be that color the couches the trim the doors <laughs> and it looks beautiful so um i'm yeah. really happy that we did that and we made it like a little dentist's office like we um, have a reception desk, but instead of being like right across from you, we used all that psychology that goes with a dentist's office as well. Put it to the side. So the person has to turn and it looks like we're walking with you, you know, mm. and not uh, con confronting you. And yeah. just all these little things like the placement of stuff, the colors, not too much stuff on the wall. Very, very little stuff about abortion, actually. 
a lot of it is uh, more on the other side of celebrating your pregnancy, you know, like uh, healthy pregnancies and that type of stuff. Yeah. And uh, then we do have a whole, um, like I'm sure every pregnancy care center uses um, fa- um, focus on the family literature yeah. because it's excellent. Yeah. And they have some books on uh, regrets of abortion, uh, support uh, for grieving after abortion, that kind of stuff. We have that another mm-hmm. row. But they see yeah. that when they first come in, all those resources. And so yeah. it's it's really good. Now, if somebody's dropped off a baby stroller or anything like that in the front in the front area, I could guarantee you that they instantly are not going to hear anything I say and the yeah. trust is gone. So we have our storage actually okay. up in the attic. It really is just counseling rooms and very like some books and that kind of thing. Just very um, minimalist and, uh, the opposite of way I would decorate. So <laughs> I, I'm really excited about this working because I just have great friends and we all just trust each other and it's worked. So that's phenomenal. And, and I, I love anyway, I can't, I, I likely have millions of more stories, but I don't want to take up all your time. No, it's all, I find this so fascinating. I love the intentionality behind it. I I've listened a, a lot on a very different end uh, to Josh Brom and the work that he does at, at equal rights Institute. Um, and, and the intentionality that goes into his campus work and whatnot. And I, I have such a high appreciation for all of the, um, the intentionality that goes into the design and the layout and the coloring of the office. And so I, I think that's phenomenal. I'm curious. So you, you mentioned that when you first got involved, people just wanted to help. And so they, they dropped off all of these rosaries and all these other um, religious articles and whatnot. I remember when I was in Victoria, um, I, I was involved with a few different um, soup kitchens and whatnot and, and food hamper um, sort of setups. And I remember them going into churches and saying like, we, we would love your help, but please don't give us granola bars. We have over 50,000 granola bars already. We don't need any more granola bars. And so I'm curious for aid to women, those listening in the audience, what, what can they do to help? What can they do to help you in your ministry? What can they do to help these pregnant mothers? What can they do ultimately to help these preborn babies? Is it a matter of goods, materials? Do you need more volunteers? Do you need um, anything else? Like, like, what do people do to help? Do you, do you need money? Like, like, how can people make this even better as an experience and help you connect with more and more families and, and Lord willing, save even more babies? So um, coronavirus really has changed everything. And uh, 75% of our income used to come from the churches. Uh, all denominations, but, and we'd go in, we had the baby bottle campaign and we didn't even have to think about it. 32 years of successful fundraising exactly the same way. Never go to the same church twice. Always keep going to new people. And then those new people, if they like you, will continue giving. And it's been a great, great thing until the church is closed. (laughs) Yeah. And the April of 2020, we had no gala, we had no churches, and our income dropped by, uh, it was over 75%. I think it was actually 85% drop instantly. Yet, I still have women coming in the door every single day. And because of coronavirus, they're feeling more alone and more like, you know, pregnancy care centers just want us to have babies and not going to help us. So I really had to be there. Um, my entire staff went without pay. 
and I am never been so proud to work with people in my life. They continued working, working from home, coming in once a week, twice a week, whatever they could afford. A lot of them went and got other jobs and they're still counseling women in the evenings, doing a completely professional job. And so I don't remember your original question. Isn't that terrible? Uh, money is, I guess what I'm trying to get at is the thing that we need more than anything else. Um, I, if I had a nickel for every infant diaper, I would be a millionaire. Uh, everybody gives um, newborn diapers. I think they forget the babies grow. And by the time that child is, um, I'd say the, first year they're in a size four to six and they're running around and you, you forget until you have kids that that yeah like they grow really really fast um clothing we have uh tons we really do and i cannot thank people enough they we have great volunteers who they um volunteers who donate donors that donate clothes um we have like teachers that will have you know a family shower uh, the school has a shower for them. Their classroom has a shower for them. They have lots of extras. So they give us doubles and triples of what they have left over um, and all of those type of things. So if anybody's listening right this very minute, I need an electric breast pump because I have a 18 year old who does not want to use a manual one because it's creepy. And I'm like, that's fine. I, 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 that's fair. Like I, whatever you need, we will find it for you. But they are a little expensive. They're in the $120 range. And no one's donated one recently. So that's what I need. And I need money because I need to pay professional staff. That our women deserve it. Our babies deserve it. If they're in such a horrible place in their lives, they think abortion is their only choice, then we need to counter that with all the professionalism that we possibly can. And sometimes that professional is just knowing where to, when to hug them and when not to, when to let them, you know, do their own thing. Um, and I think I got that covered. And then I hired all the, the experienced people to do the heavy lifting. And I, I think that's what H Women needs more than anything else right now is the actual financial support to keep going. Because we're growing, we're getting more babies all the time because we've proven that what we do works. Um, we, uh, another funny thing is I was asked to go and speak in the States at one of the uh, conferences. Uh, this is before coronavirus and it was supposed to be for that summer of 2020. And so the whole thing got canceled, but I thought, what am I going to say? There's not one person who speaks in the States that does what I do. There's not like in the way I do it, there's like, I can't go to a sidewalk counseling talk. I'll cry. I can't talk to the women like that. Everything I do is different. It's more, um, they're coming in to me. And so I got to be on my toes, man. Like I have that coffee down by 7.30 a.m. because that's when they start coming through the door. Um, yeah. So anyway, money. Money would be the best thing ever. That's really helpful, Mary Helen. Before I get to my next question, I guess is, is an appropriate time to ask, where can we give? Where can we, uh, you know, send our money? Where can we send this electric? electric breast pump and where can we learn more about um some of the needs that you have at eight to women and some more of the work that you do to help us out so that if there are people listening they know precisely where to go 
So if they want to mail us something from Amazon, like an electric breast pump, just saying it might be an idea. Um, we are at 300 Girard Street East, Toronto, Ontario, M5G2S7. And if they wanted all that information, because, you know, sometimes they get the postal code wrong, uh, go to our website. It's www.aidtowomen.ca. And there's a lovely red button on the right-hand corner that says donate. You can hit that as many times as you want. I, 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 there is no penalty in donating more than once. That, that is phenomenal. We will have that in the show notes. I, I just have this beautiful picture in mind of, uh, like a dozen different people listening to this episode, ordering from Amazon and getting the address wrong and doing 302 Gerard Street. And, and the abortion facility just gets like 12 or 15 breast pumps mailed to them. <laughs> I think that'd be hilarious, but we probably shouldn't do that intentionally. So if you're listening, please send them to Mary Helen. Don't send them to the you know abortion what? facility. They would, they would actually, yeah, they would either return them or they would give them back. Honestly, I, I, it's the weirdest thing I've ever said in my life, but I'm starting to have a relationship with the abortionists. But I mean, they say hi to me sometimes in the backyard. They don't want to say anything more than that, but they might do that. But on that note, during, <laughs> during the lockdown, um, I had, a I get Amazon deliveries sometimes of diapers and stuff that I didn't order. And then somebody from you know, uh, Calgary or, uh, Vancouver will write me a letter going, uh, or email going, Oh, did you get the package? And we don't know where it came from. Cause it just says from Amazon. It doesn't say who ordered it, just who it's to. So this day pure leader showed up and they started bringing boxes and boxes of stuff. And I'm like, these are beautiful. You can see that these are chairs from, struck tube i think or wayfair or some online thing and these are actually when we were renovating i was drooling over some of these chairs and i'm looking at this one going that's a 300 chair i can't afford that chair i really like who loves me this much and it was one after another after another it's for the abortion clinic <laughs> so i had to return them all to the abortion clinic oh <laughs> i wanted to keep them like it was a real moral dilemma, <laughs> but, uh, and that's a sad thing. And maybe it's a good thing too, is that the abortion clinic is trying extra hard to, uh, make money and clients and all of that. And they've changed from, uh, being, a like, a it was an, it was an older man who's an abortionist to this actually really attractive female. Um, she kind of scares me. She's so attractive and, uh, smart vivacious she's a she's a lovely person i'm sure except for this whole thing about being an abortionist and she um renovated the place from top to bottom and made it more like a spa so it's not just you can have an abortion there um you can get your uh, pregnancy pills gynecology uh needs um counseling like all kinds of things and um uh i had someone come in to the, our clinic uh, looking for their mammogram. And I was, oh, okay. So that might be, might be a new service. So the lady was, uh, you know, confused, but with the abortion pill being out there so abundantly, and especially during coronavirus, it just became easier to just order it online. I wonder how long the abortion clinic is really going to be making huge amounts of money beside us just doing abortions. 
because the cert, you know, they were all surgical abortions. Now they're, um, you know, uh, by pill. And I'm just not, um, I'm just not seeing that there's going to be the uh, business side of it unless they, you know, pivot a lot that they're going to be around as long as uh, we think. The abortion, er everything's changing. Everything's changing rapidly. So I figured the more I can do, the more online I am, the more I can get out to the women and, and meet them personally and give them the professional help they need to, so that abortion is not their only choice. I think we got a lot, we can have a lot more successes. Mary Helen, I, uh, you mentioned your website, which is aidtowoman.ca. We are going to be putting that in the show notes. I want to thank you so much for taking the time and joining us on our podcast. We are uh, humbled to have you on, but also really excited to hear some of the stories that you've been sharing. And uh, thank you as well for the incredible work that you're doing in downtown Toronto. Anytime, gentlemen, anytime. Thank you. That was Mary Helen Mose from A to Women in Toronto, as we promised. The website will be in the show notes. A to Women's website will be in our show notes. So if you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening on your favorite podcast catcher, go to the show notes, check, uh, check out A to Women's website and do support them in the ways that you can. Cam, what are some thoughts that you have, some final thoughts, just whatever's coming to your mind as we slowly wrap this up? Yeah, so I an incredible conversation with Mary Helen. She is a wonderful, wonderful pro-life advocate. And and over the last 10 years, I've worked with, um, in varying capacities, probably around a dozen different pregnancy care center coordinators, leaders, executive directors, all that sort of thing. And everyone is different. That's, that's why I love one of our other programs that we do on the show, Humans of the Pro-Life Movement, and showcase the incredible personalities um, that there are amidst the the pro-life movement and like mary helen is a fantastic example of that that she is incredible at the job that she does but she takes a different angle than a lot of different people i don't know what kind of character you may have in your mind when you think of a executive director of a pregnancy care center um for for better or for worse i i may not have necessarily had somebody like mary helen Mose as the the archetype the linnaic um ed of a pregnancy care center but she does an incredible job there in Toronto. Um, the the stories of, of babies that have been saved um, because their mothers went into the wrong door or Google told them that, that they were in the right spot when really they were in the right spot where they needed to be, um, but not where they thought they needed to be. Um, just incredible. What a wonderful warrior for life in a very beautiful way. Just so cool to be able to uh, touch base with Mary Helen. And I hope that we're able to have her back on the show again at some point. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I'm just thinking if you have suggestions as well, I mean, Scott, let us know about Mary Helen and informed us that this would be, she would be a good guest. If you have a good guest idea, do reach out to us as well. We can't promise that every guest is going to come on, uh, but we are looking for people like Mary Helen. We want to learn more about their ministries and we want to point our listeners and others to these types of ministries uh, as well, because they're doing some fantastic work. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Peter. That's Cam. If you want to reach out to us, you can do so on our website, prolifeguys.com. That's prolifeguys.com. You can listen on your, on your uh, favorite podcast catcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And you can also watch the program on YouTube by searching the Pro-Life Guys podcast. If you're on social media, which I, 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 I suspect most of our listeners would be on social media. If you're on social media, do check us out on Facebook, the Pro-Life Guys podcast, on Instagram, at Pro-Life Guys, and on Twitter, at Pro-Life Guys. We're on some other, uh, other ones as well, but they certainly aren't popular and don't get any sort of views or hits. So, But if you're on Gab, check us out on Gab, because uh, we're there as well. Um, 
we could have a conversation on the effectiveness of different social media sites and where we should be, but we'll do that another time, Cam. Bingo. Sounds like another episode. <laughs> All right. But check us out, follow us, like us, share our content, and help us reach the world with tools that people can use to have good conversations and with more information uh, and just resources on the pro-life movement and the abortion war. Um, your participation in sharing the episode and telling your friends about the content and in purchasing a t-shirt pro-life guys podcast t-shirt to really spread the message wherever you go uh, really conversation starter whatever it might be if it's a bed shirt it's a bed shirt but you're still supporting the pro-life guys podcast and you're helping us with the message it's not about cam and myself it's not about our face and 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 uh just like us getting out there but our goal is really to get the message out there and so we can't do it alone we'd love to have you join us in that in the different ways that you can so thank you so much for that like i said my name is peter host of the show that's cam the wonderful co-host with the magnificent beard. And we hope you tune in again next time. Take care, everyone.